You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Joe Biden was out there talking about climate change, warning us about what an existential threat it is. You've heard him say this before. I do believe he is hyping this thing for possibly personal benefit. I know political benefit. But it was amid this speech, again, that we've all heard before from him, that he made possibly a startling admission. Listen. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening? It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. Did you hear that? He has cancer. He said it out loud. One more time. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. Okay, this is interesting. Uh, let's. I want to read the quote because... I don't think this is a gaffe. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up with have cancer, not had cancer, but have cancer. Now, he had a brain situation back in the 1980s. Uh, we're glad that worked out. Uh, but uh, today is a different story. Cancer. Does he have cancer? Well, the fake news is already covering for him. And they are citing a report from 2021 that cites a skin cancer that he had prior to becoming president. All right, that's what it's about. This is what he was referring to. Biden has had several localized non-melanoma skin cancers removed with Mohs surgery before he started the presidency. But I don't know. I just heard him say, I have cancer and others have cancer because of the environmental issue, not because of the sun. Now, you can say, what difference does it make? Well, I think it makes a lot of difference. We're supposed to know everything about our president, right? And didn't he say something about transparency? If he does have cancer, what kind of cancer is it? And what kind of treatment is he undergoing? Chemotherapy, hormonal therapy? You know, with these therapies, there are often cognitive issues associated and memory loss, fatigue. You know, he does go away to Delaware and many weekends, nobody ever sees him. What's happening? Again, the White House says, oh, this is all about the skin cancers. Can I hear that clip one more time? Clip one. I think he's got a situation right now. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening? It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation? Wow. He's not talking about skin cancer. He says, I and so many other people. By the way, 
the only scandal would be keeping it a secret. People get cancer. Prostate cancer is extremely common in men, and the risk of it goes up exponentially when you get older. What's going on there? You think Joe's going to be straight with us? No. He never has been straight with us. Never. The first time he got really well known on the national stage when he ran for president, he had to drop out because everything, everything he was saying was a lie. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. I just find it so incredible that he was able to stay in public life. Everything he just said was a lie. And look at that smile on his face. Look at it. He's so smug and happy with himself. He just lied and he still lies. All right. So maybe he has cancer. And if he does, I hope he's getting the right treatment. And I also hope that he comes clean with America. Fair enough. I think that's fair. Back to the environmental stuff. Climate change is literally an existential threat to our nation and to the world. Okay. Heard it before. You know where the real threat is coming from in terms of the environment? If you really care, you would be pressuring China. I mean, really leaning on China. But we've noticed that you've been rather gentle with China, haven't you? Why is that? Is it because of your entanglements with China, which we believe you have based on what we know about Hunter and his dealings with people over there? and your status as then vice president and now president. All right, Joe is going to fix this. If only he could really lead. Listen. You all have a duty right now to our economy, to our competitiveness in the world, to the young people in this nation and to future generations. That sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. It's real to act boldly on climate. And so does Congress. What's notwithstanding the leadership of the men and women that are here today has failed in his duty. Not a single Republican in Congress stepped up to support my climate plan. Not one. Well, that's because there's a big problem with your climate plan. Republicans are not stupid people. You couldn't get one. That should prompt you, Mr. Bipartisan, Mr. Master of the Senate, that there's a problem not only with your leadership, but with your bill. Not one Republican. That's on you. Mr. President. All right. One more thing from Joe. He gets really excited when he thinks about the environment. Why? Folks, when I think about climate change, and I've been saying this for three years, I think jobs. Climate change, I think jobs. So do I. The jobs we lost. There are not enough jobs, by the way, in climate change to keep this economy going. No, there aren't. In uh, the new clean environmental stuff, there's not. Sorry. But there were plenty of jobs on that Keystone pipeline and in the fossil fuel industry. 
This climate change, I fear, has become a boutique hobby for the super rich and the mega wealthy and the important. People like John Kerry, who love to fly around on private jets and lecture all of us on climate change. People like uh, Prince Harry, friend of Joe Biden, at least uh, I don't know if they're genuine friends, but Harry and Joe Biden and oh, Barack Obama, they have all hung out. They all speak and run in those same elite circles. You know, I'll meet you in Davos. Okay, let's go to San Tropez. And um, Harry is and not an expert in anything, but he's in the club. So we should listen. As we sit here today, our world is on fire again. And these historic weather events are no longer historic. More and more, they are part of our daily lives. And this crisis will only grow worse unless our leaders lead. The only thing he knows how to do is ruin families, too. One in America and one in the UK. He has no credentials in this whatsoever. He is essentially a welfare case. Um, and there he is at the United Nations. And this, this is wrong. This, he has no... He has no finesse, no diplomatic skills. I thought the royals were supposed to be good at this stuff. Listen. The few weaponizing lies and disinformation at the expense of the many. And from the horrific war in Ukraine to the rolling back of constitutional rights here in the United States, we are witnessing a global assault on democracy and freedom. In the United States, stay the hell out of it. Who put him up to this? He's running with the Obamas. He's running with the Bidens. He's in the club. Oprah, private jets, stuff all over the place. Kind of wild. You know what I love, though? Donald Trump has this guy's number. Totally. Harry is whipped. Do you know the expression whipped? I'm familiar with the phrase. I won't use the full expression. <laughs> but Harry is whipped like no person I think I've ever seen. Good I'm job. not a fan of Megan. Yeah. I'm not a fan. And I wasn't right from the beginning. Well, I, I think poor Harry is being led around by his nose. <laughs> I love it. I love the candor. I love that he's right. All right. Back to Joe Biden. You know, after he was done lecturing all of us, he got into his multi-vehicle caravan. Now, remember, he's in Massachusetts today. That's a red state, right? Look at what they did to him on the way out of town. Watch. And some folks not being very subtle about it as they leave in that uh, caravan. How about it? Listen, seriously, Joe, I think you need some health care. I hope you're getting, I'm sure you're getting the very top of the line cancer treatment if you do have cancer. I hope you make it. I do. That's tough. All right, stay with us. Antifa has a new summer camp. Antifa is running a summer camp. Now, this is beautiful camp. This is the camp that uh, we know and love. Antifa has their own version, which is sick. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Rob Carson Show podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view? And it's actually funny. You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something 
So this is Howard Schultz, prominent Democrat. He runs Starbucks, huge company. He actually ran for president for about two days as a Democrat. He's as liberal as they come, except he's had enough with the crime. And he's had enough with the crime in his stores and his shops and the homeless people just showing up and demanding that, well, we're in charge right now. Seriously, Starbucks has received a lot of pushback um, for how they treat people who insist on using their bathroom without buying anything and just setting up camp either in front or even inside the store. He's had enough, too much crime. His employees are bearing the brunt of it. Listen to this again, the CEO of Starbucks. This is a liberal. He's had it with the crime. The local, state and federal level, these governments across the country and leaders, mayors and governors and city councils have abdicated their responsibility in fighting crime and addressing mental illness. Wow. They've abdicated their responsibility. Amen, Howard Schultz. They have. They've given up. They've given up. Not only given up, they've actually sabotaged it on purpose. This myth about systemic racism and bad cops stigmatizing them, all of them, terrible. More. It has shocked me that one of the primary concerns that our retail partners have is their own personal safety. And then we heard the stories that go along with it about what happens in our bathrooms. The issue of mental illness, the issues of homelessness, and the issues of crime. And Starbucks is a window into America. We have stores in every community, and we are facing things in which the stores were not built for. And so we're listening to our people and closing stores, and this is just the beginning. There are going to be many more. Wow. I like this guy. You know, when you get through all the ideology, the fashionable stuff, dollars and cents and safety, and I think this is the issue that can really unify us, Democrats, Republicans, everybody, nobody wants to be bothered on the street. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. I know the kids had fun in the summer of 2020, but let's get real finally. Yesterday here in New York, I haven't seen a shooting like this. You know, we're seeing it more and more where you not only you see the shooter, but you see the victims go down. This guy in the black shot four guys. One, two. Earlier, he shot two more. And you can see the shooter and you can see the victim. It's happening everywhere and there is no end in sight. Maybe because they insist on corrupting children. Take a look at this. We know what summer camp is like. Have you been? I went. I had a blast. I liked it. I learned how to water ski. I learned how to start a fire. And uh, that was pretty much it. Oh, and I learned about the stars. Antifa has a camp. They really do. They're affiliated with this group in the uh, Pacific Northwest called Budding Roses. All right. This year's camp will be July 25th through August 5th, 9 to 3, Monday to Friday, day camp. Camp is open to youth entering fourth through the eighth grade. Okay, fair enough. But what's on the agenda? Our camp activities talk about racism, gentrification, student activism. Where's the s'mores? Gender, climate change and mental health. No water skiing. It goes on to say that, oh, there will be protest songs and drum. You'll learn about chants. And here's one of the chants in their guide. The whole damn system is guilty as hell. Indict, convict, put those killer cops in jail. The whole damn system is guilty as hell. Um, What do we sing around the fire? We didn't sing that stuff. And what is police abolition? 
That's getting rid of the police. Okay, kids, are you ready for a particularly lame summer? There's more tear gas for Portlanders. Okay, thanks. Uh, White supremacy reflection. Hey, look, these courthouses in Portland, I guess, are not going to burn themselves. They need the next generation of uh, arsonists, right, to get involved. The stuff they're talking about at that camp when children are involved, that should be illegal. Seems to me borderline terrorism they're teaching. All right, some good news, or, well, at least it's a happy occasion to reflect on. 53 years ago today, the astronauts landed on the moon, American astronauts, the first ever landed on the moon, and it was amazing. Uh, Were you alive? Do you remember it? Did you see it? Let's take a look now, the final moments of the flight to the moon. Lights on, forward, forward, 40 feet down, two and a half, picking up some dust, Make shadow, four forward, drift into the right a little, 30 seconds, forward, just... Contact light. Okay, engine stop. We copy it down, Eagle. Listen, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Isn't that awesome? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, you didn't hear Charlie Duke who said, uh, we copy you down on the ground, Eagle. We got a lot of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Remember him? Charlie Duke. He later walked on the moon himself. Uh, here's Buzz Aldrin walking down the ladder. He was, um, oh, this is cool. Actually, turn up the volume, if you will. This is clearer than the view of Neil walking first. Watch. Okay, I'm going to leave that one foot up there and uh, both hands down about the fourth rung up. There you go. You go, men on the moon. Uh, some spectacular, just an awesome achievement. Why haven't we been back? Here's um, uh, Buzz climbing down the ladder, a picture of it. What a moment. And here is Buzz. Neil had the camera, by the way. That's why most of the pictures uh, from Apollo 11 are of Buzz Aldrin, not Neil Armstrong. Amazing stuff. What an amazing crew. Uh, Neil Armstrong died in 2014. Uh, Mike Collins about two years ago, and Buzz Aldrin is still with us. When they got back, of course, major, major celebrations throughout the world. Here in New York City, there was a great big ticker tape parade. Good for them. You know, they had some adjustment issues. Um, They went to, shortly after this, a joint session of Congress and delivered uh, a speech to the joint session, each one. And this is kind of interesting. They told them that they would have to give a speech on the train ride down to Washington, D.C., and they had to write it themselves. Uh, I love uh, Buzz Aldrin. He's my favorite. I've gotten to meet him a couple of times, and he almost had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Could you imagine if you had to give a speech before a joint session of Congress? Nobody helped. They should have helped these guys. And this is nice, but it's also kind of tragic in a way. This stamp, uh, first man on the moon. Great, right? First man on the moon. What about men? What about Buzz? There were two guys up there. Uh, I'm not the only one who noticed it. Actually, Buzz Aldrin, he writes about this in his memoir. He didn't like it. His father was furious. So this is one of the things they had to deal with. It wasn't easy. You might think that that's not much of a problem. It actually was. He worked it out. He's done so much. Buzz Aldrin is alive and well and promoting us getting back to Mars. I met him a few years ago in a restaurant. An amazing man. He's 92 years old. 
Buzz, thinking about you on this July 20th, 2022. All right. Hey, while those guys were on the moon, you know what Ted Kennedy was doing? Yeah. He drove off that little bridge with the woman in the car. That happened during the Apollo mission. We're going to have a recap of his little uh, problem and also look at Rosita, the Sesame Street scandal. It's not going away. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Over the next six months, the people of Wyoming are going to vote to dump your rhino congresswoman, Liz Cheney. And you're going to send the incredible Harriet Hageman to Congress. The entire Republican Party is united behind Harriet. She's endorsed by practically everyone. And most importantly, perhaps, she's endorsed by me. She's endorsed by me. And that endorsement, it looks like it helped a lot. In addition to her being a stellar candidate, Harriet Hageman right now, 22 points in front of Liz Cheney. She is the Republican challenger in the primary. And Harriet Hageman joins us right now from Wyoming. Uh, Ma'am, welcome to the show. Great to see you. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. And that was fun to watch. Uh, I must have been kind of uh, wild to see uh, in your shoes, I'm sure. All right. I have an idea already, but tell us what's wrong with Liz Cheney. (laughs) Liz Cheney isn't representing Wyoming. And in fact, she's turned on the Republican Party and she's deflecting attention from Joe Biden's failures. And she's working with people like Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Kinzinger, Jamie Raskin, Uh, You broke up there just a little bit, uh, but I got the gist of it. Let me ask you this. Why do you think what's motivating her? These January 6 hearings, I believe they're a fraud. I believe they're a total sham. I think she's supposed to be smart enough to see it herself. Is it a personal thing? Is it because Donald Trump called out the war in Iraq? What do you think is going on there? It seems personal with her. Well, I I think that you're correct. It's very hard for me to get into her mindset because what she's doing makes absolutely no sense to me. It makes no sense to me as a citizen of Wyoming that she's supposed to be representing. It makes no sense to me as an attorney, and it especially makes no sense to me as a constitutional attorney. So what I I would uh, probably settle on exactly what you've said. I think it is personal. I think that she was she made the decision So she was one of the very first people who came out in November, or Republicans who came out in November of 2020, demanding that President Trump concede the race and saying there was nothing wrong with that election. And there was a lot of blowback for that. And I think that when January 6th happened, she saw this as an opportunity to destroy him. She didn't realize that he would only get stronger from there and that people would see what January 6th was for what it was and recognize that the impeachment was without due process and without any process, actually, 
and 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 they would know what was going on here. And so I think that she really thought she could destroy him in one fell swoop, and that hasn't happened. So we uh, we know her problems. Uh, Harriet Hagerman, if you don't mind, I understand you are a lawyer. You specialize in constitutional law, land, water, and property rights. But tell us, why should the people go with you? Because I do represent Wyoming. I'm a, a native of Wyoming. Uh, my family has been here for four generations. All of my most of my family lives in Wyoming. I've got lots of brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews. My husband, great nieces and nephews, and as I often say. When Wyoming prospers, my family prospers. But when my when, when Wyoming suffers, my family suffers. This is very personal to me. And I am running for this seat because I want to represent Wyoming and represent Wyoming's values. I also want to go back to Washington, D.C. and do the things that so many politicians always say that they will. But with my expertise in the work that I've done fighting back against unlaw, uh, unlawful administrative action, fighting back against the EPA, USDA, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Forest Service, and those kinds of agencies. I actually know what we need to do to clean house back there and get back to our constitutional foundation of, mm -hmm. of uh, separation of powers. So uh, I'm going to go back and represent Wyoming. All right. Fabulous. Um, I do want to ask you about Dick Cheney. He was he's probably one of the most one of the most famous men ever from Wyoming, or I guess he wasn't born there. Uh, I don't know. Was he born there? No. Okay. Yeah. He, he went to Yale and all that stuff. What has this done to his reputation? Um, the more I think about him, quite frankly, the angrier I get over Iraq, over how rich he is uh, from all that government service. The Cheney name in Wyoming today means what? Not very much because of what Liz Cheney has done. I do believe that uh, Dick Cheney had a good reputation. He was the vice president. I think Wyoming took a lot of pride in that. I think what Liz Cheney has done over the last year and a half has really sullied that reputation. And as I travel the state, I've done over 35,000 miles in the state of Wyoming since I announced that I was running for Congress. I have been to almost every community in the state, every county, multiple times. And what I am hearing is that um, the, the reputation has really been affected by Liz Cheney's conduct. So what I can say is that Dick Cheney was someone who was I think represented Wyoming well at the time. Liz Cheney has not. But Liz Cheney isn't from Wyoming. Liz Cheney lived in Washington, D.C. Mm. for much of her formative years. She didn't go to school here. She doesn't have a family here. She, became, she came back and bought a house here, a second home in 2012, so she could run for office. So Wyoming's ready for new blood in Washington, D.C. Wyoming's ready to have someone actually represent us. McLean High School, suburb of Washington, D.C. That's where she graduated from. Hey, by the way, have you noticed this? I saw over the weekend the fake news traveled all the way to Wyoming from Washington, D.C. You can roll the video of uh, the ABC report. And they found they went out of their way to find four people who were voting for Liz. And they found one guy who was voting for you. And they argued with him. <laughs> they tried to change his vote. <laughs> have you seen this? The, the, much of this? I, I saw this. Have you have, have there been other instances of the mainstream media trying to say that you're at a disadvantage? Well, yes, it has been really funny the way that we kind of refer to this is it's almost like an anthropological uh, experiment. They come out here and they poke us and they prod us because they don't really know who and what we are. And they're trying to figure out, OK, what do these people stand for? And can they talk in a full sentence? And it's really pretty funny how they treat us. But I, I have not seen that. Probably the reason I haven't seen it is because I've traveled 2,000 miles just in the last week, meeting with people all over the state. 
I'm busy campaigning and making sure that I'm reaching out to the people. I don't have time to watch that kind of nonsense and nonsensity as the polls obviously show that I am well ahead of Liz Cheney. And for them to try to give it a different impression is, is really kind of funny. Well, listen, I got to admit, I'm no expert on Wyoming myself. I've only been there once. I went to uh, Yellowstone. Uh, we have a map of Wyoming. It is, I, I just learned this. I thought Alaska had fewer people. I think you have the l- lowest population in the, t- the entire uh, in the entire country. Just tell us what we need to know about Wyoming. <laughs> well, there's about 680,000 people here, and it's one of the most beautiful places on Earth. We have a lot of variability in terms of our terrain. Yes, we have Yellowstone National Park. We have the uh, Grand Teton National Park. We have lots of beautiful reservoirs. We have fabulous recreation. But we're the largest coal producer in the nation. We're one of the largest oil and gas producers in the nation. We have uh, huge uranium reserves. We've got an an incredibly robust cattle industry. Uh, We are resource producers. We put food on your table, gas in your car, and a roof over your head. And I'm proud of that. And watch out for the buffalo. Don't approach the buffalo in the park. I've seen some incidents lately. Anyway, it is an amazing place. I have very fond memories. I hope to go back. Harriet Hageman, good luck. Okay, Uh, let's see. The primary is August 16th, correct? August August 16th. And if people want to learn more about me, they can go to HagemanForWyoming.com. We got that right on the screen right now. And check it out, everybody. Thank you, ma'am. Looking forward to seeing you again. We'll be right back. Do abuse of power and obstruction of Congress constitute impeachable offenses? The relevant history answers that question clearly in the negative. You cannot turn conduct that is not impeachable into impeachable conduct simply by using words like quid pro quo and personal benefit. He was amazing defending the president of the United States. And he's back, Professor Alan Dershowitz, with yet another book. The guy is prolific. Uh, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Professor, welcome back. How are you? Well, thanks. It's my 50th book, so I'm celebrating a milestone. I'm just about finishing my 51st, and I'm beginning to start on my 52nd. I can't rest. Well, look at you. You know, you're putting out these books. You're defending the president of the United States. You should be celebrated and lauded wherever you go. Instead, you're attacked. You're, they're trying to cancel you, especially up on Martha's Vineyard, I hear. How bad has it been? Oh, it's gotten much worse this year. The library said they have a new rule. You can't speak at the library if you're too popular. And I'm too popular. I used to fill up the hall every time I spoke for 10 years. So now the library committee said I can never speak again. The community center has banned me. The Hebrew center has banned me. And this is not about me. I can speak anywhere I want. It's about the people of Martha's Vineyard who want to hear me speak. And they're being denied their First Amendment rights to hear me speak. And so I'm considering seriously suing the library. They're a public institution. They get, they get public funding. They get tax exemption. And they're making decisions based purely on partisan considerations. If this was somebody who had defended President Clinton, you can be sure they'd be welcoming him all over. I, in fact, did help defend President Clinton. 
But that doesn't cancel the fact that I also defended President Trump. For Martha's Vineyard, that's enough. Not the whole Martha's Vineyard. Mostly it's Chilmark. And it's not only the library shutting you down, you're getting disrespected by people who you used to be friends with. Larry David, of all people. I like the Curb Your Enthusiasm show. I kind of like Seinfeld, but I didn't see too many episodes. You guys used to be pretty chummy up there. And now he's uh, he's calling you horrible names. Uh, what happened to him? What What is his beef? How does he articulate it? Well, he just said that he saw me pat Mike Pompeo on the back. Yeah, he was my former student. He had worked on the Abraham Accords. He had helped bring about tremendous developments in the Middle East. And I patted him on the back and I congratulated him for that. And Larry David said, that's disgusting. You know, I used to love Kirby Enthusiasm until I realized that Larry David is not acting in that. That's the <laughs> real him. He's a nasty curmudgeon. Uh. And he really is that way. He, you know, I helped his daughter get into college. I helped him in two lawsuits pro bono. He used to work out in my basement, eat in my house. Uh, but as soon as I defended Trump and, 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 and rejected his notion of political correctness, suddenly he has nothing to do with What I said to him is, Larry, why yeah. can't we talk? You, we'll disagree. We'll talk. I have a lot of friends who disagree with me. We talk. We resolve it. Sometimes they persuade me. I persuade them. But in Shellmark, there's no talking. If you don't follow the line, if you don't tow the line, then nobody wants to be involved with you. But again, this yeah. is not about me. I get this it. This is about America. This is about what's happening all over the country. So People are so divided. Instead of e pluribus unum, the model ought to be hypocrisy. Well, I'm sorry you're losing friends, but I am glad that, you know, you're, you're out there. And quite frankly, fighting, nobody... I, I can your, give up on my principles. It's excellent. We're all benefiting because these January 6 hearings, which have been embraced by the mainstream media, they are sacred proceedings, according to them, are, in my opinion, a joke. You're the expert. What do you make of these hearings? And they proceed tomorrow night, by the way, in prime yeah. time. Well, it's the first time in American history that we've had congressional hearings without the minority party being represented. Oh, sure, there are two people in the minority party, but they're Trump haters who are purposely selected for that reason. So there's no cross-examination. There's no presentation of uh, adverse witnesses. There's no confrontation. It, it insults kangaroos to call it a kangaroo hearing. It's just a, a show. And, you know, uh, the one of the congressmen, the Republican congressmen, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear from Trump. I don't want to hear his version. I only want to hear from Mike Pence. And the other one, Jamie Raskin, says, we don't need corroboration. We have triple hearsay from that woman who claimed that he was grabbing a wheel. Why do we have to hear from the people who actually saw it if it happened? You know, if this were ever in a court of law, people would be outraged. And we should be outraged that this is happening. Look, I'm not a supporter of what the president did on January 6th. That's not the issue. The issue is fairness and due process and the rule of law, and we're seeing it violated. Well, Alan Dershowitz, um, I hope you live to be 120. We need you. You're <laughs> amazing. And you'll uh, have to read a lot more books if that happens. <laughs> the Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. And um, I, uh, I can't wait. Download it. It's available, uh, it's available right now from Simon & Schuster. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you, Professor. All the best. Mike. To you, too. Thank you. All right. And we'll be right back. Oh, I, I can, can say.
is, is that, that the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> so 53 years ago, we were on the moon. Today, our media, obsessed with this character from Sesame Street, and is this character racist or not? Do you know who Rosa Rita is? It's, uh, no, Rosita. Take a look. This happened at Sesame Street. Rosita's coming. That's Rosita. The t- What is that? Uh, uh, anyway, she blows off those kids? Is that what happened? Well, that's what everybody says happened. People are going nuts. They say the Sesame Street character somehow was insulting to these kids. Uh, black child isolating with family after being traumatized by alleged racial snub. The media really is insane. Take a look. Sesame's Place being under fire this morning. The popular kids amusement park apologized after a video went viral that appeared to show a costume character snubbing two black girls. The family and their attorney is going to have a press conference here in New York today. But the little girls, six years old, I mean, no matter where you come down on interpretation, their little hearts were broken. And the girls are so sad. They said they've actually gotten counseling for the girls right now. And they've just been surrounded by family with the support for now. Amid the fallout, several new videos also surfaced that appeared to show some similar incidents. The park hasn't responded to those, but it says it has reached out to the family from last weekend and invited them for a special meet and greet opportunity with the park characters. You do get used to these horrible microaggressions and being marginalized. but when that happens to your kids, you yeah, feel right. so angry. I was sad. I was pissed. Um, and immediately just go into defense mode. Because your first thing as a parent is you want to defend your child and you want to protect your innocence. We are here today to ensure that Sesame Place and others know that this behavior will not be tolerated. Yeah. I mean, no. Sorry, I got carried away there. You can get carried away. You can join the mob if you're not careful. This is ridiculous, obviously. Now, take a good look at Rosita. When she walks down the street, she's now she looks over to the left and she says, notice somebody else. So she's already in a negative place. I don't think it was against those beautiful little kids. And give me a break. Counseling. Their hearts are broken. The whole trip was ruined. Go hug another furry character. There are millions of them at Sesame Street Place. By the way, look at this. I can prove that Rosita is not racist. Okay, here she comes. And uh, now they say she's going to blow off another child of color. But watch. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. High five somebody. I'll come back to that in a second. Now, is this a diss? I think she might be carried away in her own dance. I'm sorry, but Rosita isn't owned by anyone. Now they're saying this kid is traumatized. (laughs) Sorry to do this, but... Earlier, she five high five somebody, and that somebody is a person of color. All right, here comes Rosita. Watch, watch, watch. Rosita's not racist. Loves everybody, including this person of color, who Rosita high fives. That is a yes, it is. And she did. Okay? Everything's fine. But the headlines are still crazy. <laughs> the headlines are still crazy. What happens here? Oh, this might be a genuine diss. I don't know. Take a look. It's racially motivated. Maybe Rosita thinks she's all that, you know, could be ah, mean to everybody. Uh, The headlines are ludicrous. And remember this, Rosita is a new Hispanic character developed about nine years ago because they needed a Hispanic and Rosita's Hispanic. So keep that in mind. Okay. All right. So 
Back to uh, the moon. Astronauts were there 53 years ago right now. What was Ted Kennedy doing? Oh, my goodness. Chappaquiddick happened while the astronauts were on the moon. Do you remember Chappaquiddick? So 1969, he's up in uh, Chappaquiddick for the regatta and drives right off that bridge. The story goes with Mary Jo Kopechny in the car. I hear she didn't drown. She actually suffocated. She could have been saved. Now, we know that Ted Kennedy laid low for hours and hours and hours and then eventually uh, got around sometime the next afternoon to reporting all of this to the police. As my uncle Ray Duffy once said, he would not have done that to his dog. Ted Kennedy got to stay in the Senate after all of this. Now, we did have some explaining to do all these years later. This still makes me angry, and I don't believe him. Watch. On the weekend of July 18th, I was on Martha's Vineyard Island participating with my nephew, Joe Kennedy. As for 30 years, my family has participated in the annual Edgartown Sailing Regatta. Only reasons of health prevented my wife from accompanying me. I attended on Friday evening, July 18th, a cookout. When I left the party around 11.15 p.m., I was accompanied by one of these girls, Miss Mary Jo Kopechny. Mary Jo was one of the most devoted members of the staff of Senator Robert Kennedy. All of us tried to help her feel that she still had a home with the Kennedy family. There is no truth, no truth whatever, to the widely circulated suspicions of immoral conduct that have been leveled at my behavior and hers regarding that evening, the car that I was driving on an unlit road went off a narrow bridge which had no guardrails and was built on the left angle to the road. It's crazy. He was able to stay in the Senate. Now consider this. If I could see that car uh, being pulled out of the ditch for a moment, um, there is a possibility that he wasn't in the car. I know this sounds crazy, but there is a theory out there. And there's, I think there's something to it. This vehicle was observed by a police officer after midnight, driving very fast on Chappaquiddick Island. The officer's name is Look. This is all documented. Please listen. One of the most interesting people that you learn about in the course of investigating Chappaquiddick is uh, Deputy Sheriff Huck Look. He had been coming off of work duty that night. He said he left to go home about 1230, something like that. And he sees a car um, uh, stopped. Um, very close to where you make the turn to go onto Dyke Road towards the bridge. And then the next morning, he hears about the commotion on the bridge. And when he drives uh, over to the scene, and he realizes that's the car that I saw last night. He was very positive that he had seen that same license plate the night before. He gave a time frame, and I believe it was a little different than uh, ended up Kennedy's statement was. He had seen it in about 1230, something like that. The implications are uh, very serious and uh, very complicated. There's a great book called Senatorial Privilege. came out in the late 1980s that you may want to uh, check out. A fascinating, fascinating case. But imagine, he was able to stay in public office, Senator Kennedy, and actually run for president against an incumbent president in 1980. There he is. huh? Talk about arrogance. Unbelievable. Okay, we'll be right back. 
you're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow and um, hope you enjoyed the show. Take care.